Thanks for listening to the podcast from Gary Combs and the preaching team at Eastgate Church in Wilson, North Carolina. Check us out on the web at eastgate.church for more. And now, here's the sermon. We're beginning a new sermon series today. It's entitled Renovate. We're not talking about renovation of your house. There's been a huge surge in home equity loans in the past couple of years. I guess people were home during the pandemic and they looked at their home so long they started thinking they needed to remodel. And for the last two years, according to uh, reports, there have been more home equity loans and home renovations than perhaps any other uh, couple of years in history in America. But we're not talking about a surge in home renovations. We're talking about a we're praying about a surge in, in heart renovation. That's what I'm praying for, that there would be a huge heart renovation in our hearts in this church. In the book of Proverbs, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Dallas Willard, in his book, Renovation of the Heart, says, We live from our hearts. We tend to think that if we could renovate our house... If we could renovate our job, get a new job, if we could renovate our marriages, trade in that spouse for a new model, if we could renovate something outward, that we'd be happy. But that's not the way life works. Life change doesn't happen from the outside in. It happens from the inside out. Life, we live from our hearts. And no matter where you go, and no matter how you change your circumstances, no matter where you go, there you are. Because you've got to take that heart with you. And if that heart doesn't change, there's no real change. So what does it mean to let God renovate, transform our hearts? What does it mean to have the heart of Christ, the character of Christ? The Apostle Paul, who was concerned about the church and the believers at the city of Galatia was brokenhearted that after them coming to Christ, they weren't living in Christ. And he he writes this, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. You see, that's that's what Paul was praying. He was brokenhearted. He said, I feel like I need to give birth to this church all over again because you're not living as if Christ lives in you. From birth, our character, our inner self, our heart, if you will, is being formed. From the time you're born and they slap you on the behind, from that first cry, from suckling at your mother's breast, from the name that your parents give you, from the hug and the words from your father, from your siblings, from your grandparents, and then your your neighbors and the children you play with and the school you attend. This whole time... Your character is being formed. Your heart is being formed. But because we live in a fallen world, our hearts are malformed. Our character is not the character that God desires for us. So you already have a spiritual formation, a heart formation. But He wants to do something new in you. He wants to make us like Jesus. Become like you. Maybe you're here today and you're like, what is God doing right now? My life is in chaos. It's an uproar. I can't figure out why this happened or that happened. God, what are you doing? You ever, you ever pray like that? God, what are you doing? Okay, so listen up. I know what he's doing. 
So listen up. I know what he's doing. He told me. And if you'll read the word, he'll tell you too. He cares more for your character than he does your comfort. He's making you like Jesus. If you've given your life to Jesus, that's what he's doing. He's making you like Jesus. That's, that's God's will for your life, that you would allow the heart of Christ to be your heart, to, so that Christ is fully formed in you. Now, our church's invitation that I repeated earlier is to come as you are and be forever changed by the love of Jesus. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. That's our invitation. How are we doing on that? How do you feel like we're doing? I hope that people are coming to faith in Jesus, but not just faith, but they're actually following. Not just faith, not just saying I believe, but actually becoming like Him. But may I say to you, it's 31 years this, this month for me. 31 years since we planted this church with seven people in my living room, counting me and my wife, Rob. 31 years. And through the years, I've seen people come to Jesus and experience amazing transformation in their lives so that their, their lives and their marriages and everything about their life is just so improved, so, so much better than they ever dreamed or hoped for. But I've, seen, I've also seen people come and they just want this much of Jesus. They, they open up the door to, their, to the house of their heart, if you will, and they go, this far, Jesus, you can come in this far. But those other rooms, they belong to me. And I've seen those very people be part of our church. And, and you don't see any transformation in their lives. I'm not questioning whether or not they believe because I can't see their heart. The Bible says man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. So only God knows, but they're... Their marriage is in trouble. They're struggling with addictions. Their, their kids are rebelling against them. Their lives look exactly like the lives of the people that live in the world apart from Jesus. Why is that? Are we giving people a false promise? A false invitation? Come as you are and be forever changed by the love of Jesus and, and it's not true? No, it is true. It is true. But people aren't willing, for whatever reason, or they've misunderstood. They haven't given every arena of their heart to Jesus. They haven't fully surrendered to Jesus. And over the next eight weeks, I pray, as Paul prayed, as Paul prayed, I'm willing to give childbirth again to this church. I'm willing to give birth to this church again so that Christ might be fully formed in you. So that, so that your life begins to look like the life of Jesus. My heart is broken for this. That you would be so serious about following Jesus that it would be not just this much, but this much. All that I am, all that I have, like that. So can, can we go on this journey together? Because I need it too. We all do. That's the beginning point. <laughs> Admitting your feelings, the beginning of healing. <laughs> I need Jesus. Do you? You know? So are you willing to say, yeah, I want to go on this journey because I want to become more like Jesus in 2023. I, I, I want to leave 2022 behind, including me. <laughs> I want more. I want less of me and more of Jesus in me.
It is reported that Mahatma Gandhi had experienced a great deal of time living in Britain, and he looked closely at Christianity. And he remarked, if only Christians would live according to their belief in the teaching of Jesus, we would all become Christians. Do we, do we look any different than the people outside our church? If not, why not? Church, we've been good. The American Evangelical Church has been good at getting people into heaven. But how have we been doing on getting heaven into people? Today I want to talk to you about, yeah, we want to get you to heaven. Absolutely. And how do you do that? By faith in Jesus. But we want to get some heaven in you and in me so that we become more like Jesus, so that we start living like kingdom people right now, today. Do you want it? Do you want it? Because I can preach my head off up here and it, it'll just bounce off your ears. But as Jesus said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. In the Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossians, he instructed believers that since they had been raised to new life in Christ, God wanted to renovate their hearts. Yeah, they've got new life, but now they need a new character, a new heart. He wanted to give them a new heart. He wanted to write his law on their hearts so it was no longer on stone tablets, but it was actually written on their hearts. And I believe today that we can surrender our hearts to God's renovation so that Christ is fully formed in our hearts. So let's look at the book of Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to be talking today about three ways that we can yield to what God wants to do in our hearts, to renovate our hearts, making us more like Jesus. Chapter 3, verse 1. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which Indeed, you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, 
Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is God's Word. Three ways we can yield our hearts to God for renovation. Here's the first. Set your hearts and minds on your new life in Christ. Set your hearts and minds on your new life in Christ. Notice the the verb seek in verse 1, the verb set in verse 2. Seek, he says, the things that are above where Christ is. Verse 2, set your minds on the things above. These are both in the Greek imperative. These are command words. Seek and set. Look for, set your focus. It reminds me that twice a year we reset our clocks. In November, we set them to standard time. And then coming in March, we'll do it again. We'll spring forward and we'll lose an hour of sleep. And we all just agree on it. We say, okay, we're all just going to do it. Let's all just set our clocks. And we all do it. And then for a few days, we feel a little bit out of sorts. And then, boom, we set our clocks. And and we say things to each other like, I feel like I lost an hour. You didn't lose an hour. You just changed your clock. You changed your focus. And here's what Paul is saying to us. If, then, you've been raised with Christ. Have you been raised with Christ? Have you received Christ as your Lord and Savior so that you're born again? Because if you have, and not all of you have, I pray that all of you have, but I can't see your hearts, but God knows that not all of you have. But if you have, if you haven't, do it today. But if you have, set your clocks on heavenly time. Set your minds and your hearts on eternal things so that you have an eternal perspective and not so caught up in the temporary things of this world. Because you, your life, your new life is hidden in Christ, in God. Did you see that? Set your minds on things above, verse 2, not on things that are on earth. For you died and your life, verse 3, is hidden with Christ in God. Hidden could mean, and it would be, this is great to consider this way, it means it's safe. You can't lose your eternal life. It's hidden where nobody can steal it. That's a good perspective. Here's another perspective. It's spiritual, so it's unseen. So your new life, in in terms of, of, of where it's already at, your new life is already there. Christ is at the right hand of the Father in glory, and and your life radiates from Him as the source, and that new life you have, it's already there. And so positional, that's, that's a positional truth. Positionally, you're already there. Experientially, you're here. But positionally, you're already there. So live by your positional reality rather than your experiential reality. Make a decision. I'm going to go ahead because I'm heading there. That's where I'm headed. I'm going to go ahead and set my watch on heavenly time and and go ahead and start living like I'm already there because I'm already there. In my spiritual life, my heart is already hidden in Christ. It's already hidden in Christ, in God. And no one can take it. He's got it. So I'm going to start living like that. 
that that's where my life is. That's where my life source is. And, and, and then verse 4 says there's coming a day where, you're, where the positional reality and the experiential reality will come into full alignment. Because when Christ appears, you will be with him in glory. So that which is already true positionally becomes true experientially. And do you realize that? Do you live like, like I got my eye on that? Because we're to live from the perspective that, w- that we're already there. And as we think about each other, and as we gather together on a, on a day like today, that we come, we come together immersing ourselves in that reality that the Holy Spirit's in this room, that we immerse, we are surrounded by immortal creatures. I'm talking about you and me. Who have infinite value. And when we come together in church like this, we immerse ourselves in the koinonia, the fellowship of the saints, and not only that, but in the Godhead of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're all in this room together. And when we get together like this, if you don't feel it, then lean in closer. And if you, if you feel like you can do without it, check your heart. We need this regular gathering so that when we scatter, we gather for encouragement and power and we scatter for proclamation and living out the body of Christ. And so that's why we're here. This is a place where we gather to remind ourselves we are heaven-bound. And we have heaven in our hearts. Your, your life's already there. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All this stuff that you need, you know, clothes and housing and, and food and whatever. Just, just aim. You don't need to... That's not where you set your clock You need those things, and He knows you need those things, but aim at Jesus. Dallas Willard says that spiritual formation follows a certain pattern. He calls it VIM. That's an acronym. That's a word you might not use much. You might have heard somebody say, wow, that person's full of VIM and vigor. It means they're lively. But he means it as an acronym, and the V stands for vision, and the I stands for intent, and the M for means. And he says, if you want to see transformation, you need vim. First of all, you need a vision for your destination. And that's what Paul's talking about. Your destination is Jesus. And God's will for your life is to become like Jesus. So get a vision for that. We, we tend to set our vision too low. We go, we tend to, some of us aim it at what we don't want to be. Like, we we, we try to, we call it sin management. I don't feel like I can stop sin, so I'm going to try to manage my sin. So so the addict says to themselves, I want to stop drinking. I want to stop drugging. And so their vision, they think, is not drinking, not drugging. That's too low. That's not even a vision. That's that's a goal. It's, It's a good goal. But all you're thinking about is not doing something that you're tempted to do. You need a better vision. Paul says, aim it at Jesus. Because if you get a heart like Jesus, he will manage helping you with what you drink and what you eat and what you think about and how you feel. Get a better vision. 
And then once you get in a, a better vision, you say, in your heart, I see it. And, and some of you might be thinking, is that even possible? Like I've been a Christian for a while. Is it even possible to become more like Jesus? That's, that's the whole thing. Yes, it's possible. It's possible for you. And so, so you get a vision for it. And you say, I see it. But then the eye is intense. So then you say, I want it. And I want you to th think about this for a second. The Father's in heaven going, listening for somebody that wants it. Because that's, that's, that's the movement of the heart towards faith. You, you don't have to move far. Just, just barely stick your toe in it. Because he, he's just looking for somebody that wants more of Jesus. Just like that. And then the means, well, we're going to talk about that some more. But if we, don't get, if we don't get a vision for, I want to be more like Jesus, and get the desire and say, I, I want it, then it's no sense us talking about reading through the Bible together and attending church and going to small group and all that stuff. You know, I just don't get anything out of church. You know, Pastor, look, I signed up for this Jesus thing, and I, I, you know, church makes me feel better once in a while if I can work it into my schedule. And small group, well, you know, I don't really like people very much, and so... And, and they're right, because people are hard to get along with, and church doesn't change you. You can go stand in the garage, it won't make you a car. You can go stand in church, and it won't make you a Christian. It won't change your heart. I can't change your heart. I'm just like you. i got to have Jesus. But I can cooperate, and he uses certain means to help us work out what he's working in us, because grace is free, it's opposed to earning. You can't earn grace. But grace is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. And it takes some effort. It takes some effort to get up and get those kids in the car this morning. Some of you had a horrible fight on the way to church today. It took some effort to get here. You almost turned around. Some of you had your last argument in the parking lot, and then you got out of your car and you went... <laughs> pasted that smile on, that Christian smile. <laughs> You want to be more like Jesus, it begins with saying, I want it. Well, let's keep going. Let's keep going. The first way to yield our hearts is to set our hearts and minds on this new vision. I want to be like Jesus. I desire it. I intend. And now let's work out some of the means. Paul, as we're getting into verse 5, put off the old self, counting it dead in Christ. Put off the old self, the old life, counting it dead in Christ. We're at verse 5, and I want you to notice in verse 5, he says, put to death. Verse 8, he says, put them all away. Verse 9, he says, put off the old self. You can see a couple metaphors at work here that Paul's using. The first is the metaphor of death or the metaphor of the cross. To put to death, or as some versions say, mortify the members of the flesh. To, to kill the old self. Don't play with it. Christianity is not a self-improvement course. It's an invitation to come and die and then be born again to new life, leaving behind. So, so put to death is one metaphor. And then the other is put, put away or put off, which is kind of a clothing metaphor. Like put off your grave clothes from your old dead life so that you can make room to put on some new clothes. So do you see them? 
You see them in, the, in 5 through 11 is where we're at now in the text. So put to death. Stop playing with. And then Paul, he goes, listen, he, he goes from preaching to meddling. He gets right detailing. So go ahead and get mad at me. Here it comes. Put off, put to death sexual immorality. That's the mark of our age. The Greek word there is porneia. That's where we get the word porn. There's so, there's so many men and even women in our church. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about the people out there. I'm talking about in our church, addicted to porn. And that's one of the prime shapers of your heart. Because it gets all of your heart. He says, kill it. All of these are kind of aspects of the body because the heart is the seat of the will and the heart chooses to do, go left or right, but there are pressures on the heart. One is our thought life. Another is our feelings. Another is our, our, our bodily desires. Outward pressure from, from pressure from peer groups. I could go on. We'll, we'll be talking about this stuff over the next few weeks, but, but he says kill that... And all these seem to have a lot to do with the body. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, which is not the positive version of that word, but the negative, which could be translated lust, an overpowering lust, evil desire, and covetousness, which Paul calls idolatry, wanting what somebody else has is idolatry, he says. He says, kill it. Don't play with it. Shoot it. Stop playing with it. Kill it. Somebody might have to say, you know what? I can't, I need to get off Netflix and get on Pure Flix or something like that because if I even see something, it triggers me to, to go to my porn addiction. I need to kill it. Or I need to stop lying to myself that I really want to be like Jesus. I got, I got to stop lying to myself that I really love my wife just as she is, like a gift from God, just as she is, not changing one thing about her instead of loving some fake image that's not even real and it's grasped and gotten its claws around the hearts of so many Christian men, pastors, leaders. Oh my, well, that's not what this sermon's about. I need to move on. That's just some of what it's about. Kill it. On account of these, the judgment, the wrath of God is coming. Stop playing with it. In these two, you once walked, you used to live like that. Stop. But now, verse 8, now he moves to the put it away. And now he's more talking about the, the mind, the, the attitude of the mind. Put away anger. There, there's someone here right now that that's, that's the constant state of your mind. You, you stay angry. You stay offended. And then you move to the darker form, which is wrath, when you start expressing it in physical ways, in verbal ways. You put it away. Put away malice, which is hatred, that I want to see something bad happen to somebody else. I, I want to see something bad happen to those people that aren't like me or that offend me. 
slander, which is lying about people or telling things about people that are true that shouldn't be aired out. I'm slandering their name. Uh, stop, stop that. And stop the obscene talk from your mouth. Yeah, but pastor, I'm, I work construction. That's how all the people talk. You don't know. The, the F-bombs, they drop. If I, don't, if I don't talk like the other people, I'll be, I'll be considered odd. Well, yeah, because you got your heart set on heavenly time. You're odd. You're a stranger in this world. Your passport stamped for heaven. You're not of this world. Your life is hidden in Christ, in God. You're not supposed to talk like that anymore. Stop pretending and keeping one foot in the world and one foot like headed towards heaven. You've got to choose. I'm not talking about whether or not you're a believer. I'm not challenging that. I can't see your heart. But you're not living like you're a believer. Clean up your mouth. Put it off. Yeah, but, no, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Do not lie to one another. Seeing, and, stop, and, and stop lying to yourself. Seeing that you have put off the old self. Have you? Have you? Put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self? Have you? Because you can't put on the new self till you put off the old self. That's like putting on clean clothes over dirty underwear. I'll say anything to get your attention. Some of you, this will be the only thing you remember about the sermon. God bless you. I'm sorry. And this new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. How did God make Adam and Eve? He made them. He said, let us make man and woman in our own image. Male and female, he made them. He made them. And then sin caused the image to be warped. And then he sent Jesus in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says that, that he is the image of the invisible God. He is the imago dei. He's what we were always meant to be. And when we follow him, he is forming us. He is renovating us. He's making us what he always meant for humanity to be. These immortal creatures made in the image of God. That's what he's doing right here. Put that on. It's better. It's more better. And he, so put off those bodily desires. Put off this state of mind, this anger, this wrath. And then put off these outward Identities, verse 11, here there's not Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. Here there's neither black nor white, red or yellow, Republican or Democrat, uh, can I, conservative or liberal, Yankee or Southerner. What, but Christ is all and in all. So when you walk in this, in this place, you're, you're seated with immortal creatures that are following Jesus and their one and only identity is inward, not outward. They have a heart that beats for Jesus. That's who they are. And that's all they care about. And all other things are secondary. And we live in an age of division. And the evil one loves division. And we carry it into the church. And identity politics and identity isms have polluted our young people. And they're confusing them. But put that off. 
put it off. This is what it looks like. Make room for this new heart. Putting it off requires some effort, but grace is opposed to earning, not effort. Takes some effort. Put off your old self, Ephesians 4.22, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Romans 6.11, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. In Christ Jesus, kill it. Stop playing with it. In John chapter 11, one of Jesus' friends named Lazarus died and he was in the tomb for four days and his sister Martha came to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And he said, do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life. She goes, yeah, I believe it, Lord, and I believe that at the last, last days the resurrection will come and people will be raised. He goes, no, I'm talking about now. She's looking at him. What are you talking about? And then he goes towards the tomb, and here comes the younger sister, Mary, and she's not the pragmatist that, that, that Martha is. She's weeping, and Jesus, because he's tenderhearted, he's not, he's not weeping because Lazarus is dead. He, he's the resurrection and life. He's not afraid of death. Death has to run from life. He's not weeping about that, but the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept because he's tenderhearted. And he sees, he sees Mary, and so it's, he, it says he wept. And then he says to Martha, Where's, where'd you lay him? And they, they take him there, and he says, remove the stone. And then... It, and it's a very graphic thing that, that Martha said, but remember, she's practical. And, and, and the KJV says it like this, but Lord, he's been there four days. He stinketh. Talking about how the body decomposes. But Jesus is not afraid of that either. Even if it's dead and stinking, if your marriage is dead and stinking, if, if whatever's going on is dead and stinking, he doesn't matter to him. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And if you'll just obey the command to come forth, he raises the dead because he's life. So Lazarus comes forth, but he still had a problem. He was wrapped up in grave clothes, stinky old grave clothes. And Jesus turns to the crowd around him and says, take off his grave clothes and let him go. Because we need the church. We need some help getting those stinky clothes off. Sometimes we don't even know we got one hanging behind us, you know. Like you came out of the restroom and something stuck to your heel. <laughs> Y'all ever had that happen? You're walking like through the mall or whatever and you think you're all that in a bag of chips and then you realize you're trailing some toilet tissue but <laughs> stuck to the heel of your shoe. You know why you're laughing? Because you've done it. That's why. But, but, but we need each other to get the stinky clothes off. Larry Crabb says, when we ignore what's happening on the inside, we lose all power to change what we do on the outside. We, we just rearrange the furniture rather than change, and in so doing, we never become the transformed person God calls us to be. We need heart change. Well, let's get to the third one. I get excited and just can't stop talking about one. I've got to get to the next one. I've got eight weeks to work on this. I've got to keep reminding myself of that. Here's the third way. Put on the new self. We've put off the old self. We've got a new perspective Put on the new self, which is being renewed in Christ. We got a hint at verse 10 that we should have already put on this new self. And then in verse 12, he begins to tell us what that looks like. What does it look like to put on the new self? And so we see in verse 12, he says, put on then. Put on then if you, if you have put off the old self. And if you have put on the new self, we'll put some of these articles of clothing on because they, they're part of the ensemble. And what, what are some of the 
features. Well, put on then as God's chosen ones, because that's who you are now. You are in Christ, in God. You're God's chosen people, holy and beloved. Put on compassionate hearts. Get some compassion. Kindness. Put on some kindness. Put on some humility. Meekness. Patience. Put on a little patience. Put on compassionate hearts. Put on. And then, and, and if, and, and, and learn to bear with one another. Literally, learn to put up with one another. That, that's some great marriage counseling right there. Just learn to put up with it. Because you're a mess too. That, that's great. That's great right there because we're all sinners saved by grace. So learn to bear with one another. Stop, be, stop being so easily offended all the time. In fact, it, become unoffendable because your identity is so hidden in Christ in God. Nobody can touch your life. It's hidden in Christ in God. That's who I am. That's my identity. You can't touch my identity. You can't tell me who I am or what I'm, where I'm headed. I know who I am. I know where I'm headed. Not because I'm somebody, but because he's somebody. And that somebody lives in me. Y'all here? You glad you came? Okay. Just checking. If one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Like, before you even meet, already decide, I'm going to have to forgive them. <laughs> How? As the Lord has forgiven you. Uh-oh. 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 Draw on that. And above all these, after you put all that on, after you put all that on, put on love. Because it just, it just makes the whole ensemble look good together. Just put on, put on love because it binds it all together in perfect harmony. It's the outward garment. If you want to know the chief thing of all, it's love. Put that on. And then let the peace of Christ. We're putting this stuff. Are y'all putting it on? See, put on sounds like it's in the imperative. Well, it sounds like it because it is, which is going to require effort. Not earning, because you can't earn it. Here's the thing. He's made all these clothes already. Jesus has made them all. They're all hanging in his heavenly closet. Here's some patience. Oh, look at that. That's brand new for 2023. Look at that. Just reach into your heavenly closet because you're already there. That requires some effort. Not earning, because you didn't buy it. Your heavenly Father bought it through the purchase of the redemption of Jesus. By grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no man should boast. But the next verse says, but we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do, goods, to do good works. So let's put on some patience. Let's put on some compassionate hearts. Let's put on some forgiveness. It requires some effort. But we've got to reach in there and get it. We can't earn it, but we can reach in there and get it. God, I have a bad habit of yelling at my children. They, they, just, they just get to me sometimes. And they push all my buttons, and I just lose my temper. 
And I've just been excusing it, saying, well, that's how I was raised, and that's, that's just me. That's the old you. Don't play with it. Shoot it. Kill it. Get it off. Put it away. And if it's part of those grave clothes, and it is, get it outside your house and put it in a barrel and, and set fire to it. And then say, what am I going to put on? I'm going to put on patience. Because the new me, people don't get to me. My kids don't get to me like they used to. When I feel that happening, when I feel the old self trying to get my heart again, I get a hold of Jesus and I reach back in my heavenly closet and I go, no, wait a minute. The new me doesn't yell at my kids. Now I, could, I, I might have not hit yours over the next few weeks. You pray for me. I'm going to do my best to hit every one of those things that we all have. That might not have been yours. You're like, whew, I'm good. I can, I'm good. Now watch out. Just keep coming. And so then he says, uh, let peace, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The word rule could be translated from the Greek umpire. So like if you feel something stealing your peace, you're starting to feel anxiety, you're starting to feel worry, and worry's not a bad habit. Jesus says, do not worry, so worry's a sin. Worry's the opposite of faith. Yeah, but I come from a long line of worry warts. My grandmother was a worry wart, my mother was a worry wart, and I too have followed suit. I am a worry wart. That, okay, you're, what you're saying is your grandmother was a sinner, your mother was a sinner, and I'm a sinner too. That's what you're saying. So don't play with it. Kill it, throw it outside the house, and put on prayer. Because the Bible says, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition. Make your request known to God. Turn your words into prayer. So, so to umpire, if I, feel some, if I feel something stealing the peace of my heart, this umpire of Christ, which is the peace of Christ, is like an umpire. He goes, uh-oh, that's a ball. Don't swing at that one. Don't swing at that one. That's a ball. That, that'll cause you to lose your peace. Okay, that's good. I like that. Be thankful, not a suggestion. Yeah, but I don't feel thankful. Well, okay, check your heart. Why don't you feel thankful? Because you're supposed to be thankful. If you have the heart of Jesus, you're thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How do you get it in there? There's only two ways. I wish you could just do this. Okay, I got it in there. That was easy. I did that quick. No, it's got to go through your eye gate. And your ear gate. That's the only way to get the word of Christ in you so that it lives in you richly. So you got to read it. you got to hear it. And if you read it aloud, you get it through both gates simultaneously. You get a, you get a, a twofer out of it if you read it aloud. Because your eye gate and ear gate get it. you got to put it in there. you got to memorize. you got to have large doses of it before it will live in you richly, dwell in you richly. That way you can teach and admonish one another because that's the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to sharpen each other, help each other get that piece of toilet paper off of their heel when they're coming out. We're supposed to help each other grow more like Jesus. And the way you do it is with the Word of God, not with your words and your opinions, but with His. And then when we get together, we're supposed to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's three types of songs. We do our best to try to cover all types of songs. Some of you come late because you don't like the singing part. This is not a suggestion. This says that's how you get the word of Christ dwelling in you richly is you sing it. Yeah, but I don't have a good voice. I don't see that here. I don't see except if you don't have a good voice. I want to hear some bad singing next Sunday. 
I want, it, I want somebody next to me to just sing so off key, but with tears flowing down your face because you love Jesus. And you don't care who hears your voice. You don't care who sees that hand go up. You don't care who, as long as he does. So you sing, and you do it with thankfulness in your heart. And then in case I left something out, Paul says, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything. Like you could sign Jesus' name to it. So when you go to work, if you're a teacher, teach those kids like, like you could sign that Jesus did it. If, you're, if you work at a construction company, build whatever that is you're building or dig whatever that is you're digging. Like, it looks like something Jesus did. I, he, he could sign his name to that. If you're a CEO of a company, lead that company like, like Jesus is leading it. Whatever you do, let your heart beat for Jesus so that everything you do is an expression of praise and glory and worship. And so you don't just worship on Sunday, you worship seven days a week with all that you say and you do. Romans uh, 13 says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And then Philippians, which I've been referring to a couple of times, chapter 2, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. His grace is already at work in you. My part, your part, is to work it out. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks, okay? In, in our daily journal, that's what we're going to be talking about. I want to work out what God's working in me, and I know what the goal is. It's for my life to start looking like the life of Christ in this world. Will you make a commitment over the next eight weeks as we begin to talk about our thought life, our feelings, our body, our, our, our will, our social relationships, our, our identity? We're going to be talking about all these things. Will you, will you make a commitment to really lean in on these eight messages, to do the 40-day journey of, of the daily journal. And I really highly recommend, would you commit to be in a small group, a community group, where you can unpack it with other people and really talk about what you're learning. I'm asking you to do that. I hope you'll do that. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Lord, would you... Would you break our hearts and remold our hearts and re renovate our hearts so that we become more like you? We want it. And if you want it, my friend, right where you're at in your seat, just say, say the Lord. Tell the Lord right now, I want it. I want it. I want to be like Jesus. If you're here today and you've never given your life to him, the first part is to want it. And then wanting it, you say, I believe it. And I, I repent of my sin. I don't want the life I used to have. I want a new life in Jesus. And I believe He died for me. And that He was raised from the grave. And that He lives today. I believe He died for my sins so I could live as a follower and as a child of God. If you believe that, you can express it in your heart right now. Just say that. I believe it. And I receive it. I want Him as my Lord and Savior. Others are here and you've done that. You've... You've received and you believe in Jesus, but you recognize you hadn't been following Him. You've been holding back parts of your life. Would you do something about that right now and say, Lord, forgive me. I give you, and then you fill in the blank. I give you 
my anger. I give you my addiction. I kill it. I leave it behind. I give you my obscene language. I give you my... You feel it. Fill it in. Take it away. And don't just take it away, but replace it with that new aspect of, of, of your heart. That, that, that patience, that love, that joy, that peace, that kindness. Lord, make me more like you. We pray it all now in Jesus' name. Amen.